Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Yo, what's up? I'm Alex, and I am deadly afraid of becoming addicted to something. So growing up, I didn't really have many like people I looked up to other than my dad. Like my dad has always been Superman in my eyes. There's only one other person that I ever saw and was like, man, they are so cool. And it was one of my cousins. But growing up, they were a musician just like me, amazing vocals, amazing guitar playing. You know, I remember them taking me to the toy store and getting me like a Nerf gun and always being that just that super cool older brother. I never had any brothers. So this person was like my brother. Even when I moved to Los Angeles when I was 14, I was sleeping on his couch. But before I actually went to live with him, I do remember my parents always talking about how he had started smoking weed. And growing up a very strict religious background, to me, weed and meth were like the same thing. Now I'm an adult, I know that they're worlds apart. Uh, But at the time, it was a big thing to me. And really in my life, I had never seen um, somebody kind of let something else take control of their lives, which in my mind is what addiction is. And so I remember moving to Los Angeles and kind of seeing... It felt like almost like the Wizard of Oz, like behind the curtain of what's going on and how much weed was actually being smoked and really the color that was this beautiful picture that I had of him in my head was starting to fade. And in my mind, I just associated it with he's addicted to smoking weed. He's addicted to the usage of marijuana. And now again, as an adult, I've learned about what marijuana actually is. I've learned about many other things and kind of grown to have my own beliefs but that being said I've always been very very conscious it's it's a fear and it's a fear that's still in my chest every time I pick up a new hobby whether it's something 
that could be as dangerous as taking an edible or if it's something as healthy for you as exercise because I know addiction comes in all forms, shapes, and sizes. I want to preface by saying that I don't know what stresses, what struggles he was going on behind his own personal closed doors, but I think the thing that I noticed the most is the way that he would turn to a substance to solve problems or to patch holes or to spark inspiration. I think seeing that in my mind, that's what addiction was, was that I can't do this unless I have this. And that was something that really was my first and only experience ever with addiction. And that got me thinking, what is addiction really? So to help me explore what addiction actually is, I have two really good friends today. I have Karen Ehrlichman. You have heard her all over my podcast. She is a therapist and a wisdom tree, as I like to call her. And we also have Matt Lieb, a very, very funny comedian who has an incredible life story. What is up, friends? It's Alex Iono here. This is Let's Get Into It. It's my podcast. Uh, I came up with it uh, to create a space that I can just talk about shit, like what it's like to be 24 in today's world. Today's world is a quarantined uh, social distancing world. Um, I We are all podcasting, I guess. We're all talking on this podcast from our own respective homes. And when I say we... I'm talking about my guests because on this podcast, I get to talk about life um, with loads of different people, friends that I've already had. I get to make new friends. And today I get the best of both worlds. I have one of my very, very dear friends, Karen Ehrlichman. Uh, She is my wisdom tree, my therapist. She is the person that I call when I want to shave my head. Karen, what is up? How are you? (laughs) As long as you're just shaving your head today and nothing below the neck. All no, well. it, uh, I, I have a feeling that your brother would not be too happy if I shaved my head. Uh, Karen's <laughs> brother is uh, one of my dear friends as well, and he loves my long hair. So we're going to keep it on. Um, but Karen, it's okay. not just you and I today. Uh, we are also graced by the presence of a new friend. Uh, he is a comedian, writer, actor from Los Angeles. He has won accolades like 2016's One of Best Comedians in the Bay Area by SFist. He's performed low of different festivals, loads of different sketch fests, uh, and he is the host of Pod Yourself a Gun, which is a Sopranos rewatch podcast that I am now about to uh, binge listen. Is that a thing that you do with podcasts? Do you binge listen? Yes, you do. Ladies and gentlemen, Mm -hmm. without further ado, I want to introduce uh, one of my newest friends, Matt Lieb. Matt, how are you, man? Hey, I'm doing all right. Uh, Alex, I am in full support of you shaving your head and anything below the neck. (laughs) Anything below the neck and okay, so we're gonna just go we're gonna go, go full um, Yeah, go go full bald, slippery, be a slippery. Yes. Yeah, there man. I'm go. just gonna be a slippery. Is that a is that a is that a type of person it's, an, it's called a slippery? It's oh, a nice. new kink I just invented now. It's where you shave everything and then you just rub your whole body with oil. Is it a specific just, type of oil? I would say, you know, olive. That's olive. a good one. Ooh. Olive it is a good one. It's got it a good taste a good to it. Yeah, exactly. Then, uh, you know, you and then run around for a while and see if anyone can catch it. That'll be if, and, and if whoever catches you, you marry him immediately. It's a yes. new, it'll turn it into like a Netflix series because Netflix has been loving the series where people get married before they should probably get married. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, it's their favorite new genre. 
It's amazing. It's a it's a whole genre now. It's called premature marriage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's oh called it's called future divorces. And I can feel I can feel an episode of Let's Get Into It where we have somebody who was on one of those shows talking about how horrible of an idea it was to marry somebody without you know getting to know them properly. Oh yeah, yeah. And I that's feel like why uh, I have a job. <laughs> that is uh, yeah, why Karen's <laughs> here. So, ladies Karen, and you're, gentlemen, you're a, you're a real therapist. I am a real therapist. Oh, good. She's Thank as God. real as they come. She is as real questions. as they come. I, I, I would love to hear your questions. <laughs> We've got lots of questions. We have lots of answers, and today we are talking about uh, something a little bit more serious um, on the more serious side of the topics that we talk about. Today, we're going to be talking about addiction. So we're going to talk to Karen about the different types of addiction. Then we're going to talk about what it's like to be an addict, how that impacts your life, and then what can happen if you move beyond being an addiction to being sober. But before we get into those topics, uh, Matt, I have a question that I ask all of my guests. Karen, you're going to be familiar with it. Uh, what are you doing? What is one thing that you're doing to improve your life this week? I know it's pretty hard because we have been quarantined. Um, we have had some very, very fun uh, some very fun things that people have been doing to improve their lives. Like I've been trying to learn how to juggle. I started a garden. Ooh, um, nice. Karen is consistently looking more and more like a Baywatch lifeguard. <laughs> and uh, there's a load of different things. So I'm going to let you guys have some time to think about it because I already have my answer. Um, I am now tracking macronutrients or sh for short macros. Um, I, it is where you Ooh. specifically um based off of the three categories, carbohydrates, fats, and protein, um, track to the, you know, to the decimal, um, what you're intaking to give your body, uh, the, the maximum level of nutrients with the food that you're actually putting in. I know it's kind of boring and it sounds like Alex, we get it. You work out. Um, but I'm very proud of it. I'm excited. I'm, I'm on a yeah. journey right now and I'm hyped about it. So I'm going to talk about it. Um, Karen, do you have something for me? I do. And, and it doesn't have anything to do with physical fitness. I am working on a new project um, for myself and that I can share with the world about creating your own personal manifesto. Ooh, that's cool. Do you have a cool. name for it yet? <laughs> You're both you mean like, 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 like the, the communist manifesto? You, well, kind of, but it's basically like... Um, your your kind of your rules of engagement, your personal mission and vision statement and like how you want to walk in the world, um, but a fun way to do it. So like I a like healthy that. manifesto, a healthy ma I mean, it depends on what you define as healthy. But yeah. I was going to oh. say I'm perfecting um, cocktails, but I thought that would be inappropriate for this week's. Um, nah. Uh, this week's. I don't know if that counts as improving yourself, but the personal manifesto is a new project I'm working on. I'm very excited about it. Well, well I'm, I'm in full support uh, also of you uh, creating a bunch of new cocktails. Even as someone who doesn't drink, I say, you know, if you don't have a problem with drinking, have have at it, you know, right. create new delicious ways to in, ingest uh, poison into your body. You know, <laughs> we, Go do ahead. Make, we do make the mocktails. We make the mocktails, too. Give me one of those. Good, give me a virgin pina colada and I'll be a happy boy. Yeah. Matt, do you have something for us that you have been doing to improve your life this week? I mean, I guess it's kind of been uh, out of necessity, but um, I've been cooking a lot more because, you know, I'm stuck in quarantine and I'm eating a lot of groceries. So I guess one of the things I've been doing to improve my life is uh, actually opening up a cookbook that I have had. Mm. 
around and just really never done anything with. You know, it's like one of those like gifts you you give yourself because you know you're like someday. I'm going to be a guy who opens up a cookbook <laughs> yes. and makes a souffle, but then you never go. do it. But now yeah. now I'm doing it. I'm making all sorts of crazy, crazy new, you know, inventions. Well, they're not new inventions, but it's like baked ziti. I, I made a baked ziti. Ooh. Wow. That yeah, that's awesome. I'm, I can see- I'm pretty psyched on it. I can see the image now of you like opening the cookbook and blowing the dust off of the page. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, <sighs> exactly. It's like an ancient tomb, just <laughs> opening it up. And I'm just like, wow, I can make a cinnamon roll now. As if it's like some magical key to making a cinnamon roll. Like, Yo, I could have looked it up online. Cooking is magic, though. Like, I will say, it you is. are basically making something. You're like putting a bunch of little like potions together. Yes. And then it comes out being a baked ziti. And then you're in a great place. Yeah, and then it Alex is. can tell you the macronutrients that are in it. And then, yeah, I'll tell you how many carbohydrates it is, and I'll tell you how many slices you need to have to hit your goals. Alex, you, you have uh, abs, right? <laughs> I am in the... I have abs. Uh, you sound I have very like you strong have abs. abs right now, but they are, they are currently hidden by uh, Christmas's uh, long-lasting effects. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, no, those... those uh, Christmas dinners can definitely last a while now. But uh, yeah, you just whenever someone uh, is as in tune with your body uh, as as you're describing, I'm always like I'm just picturing the abs and I'm like, those are those are sick, bro. Those are good abs. (laughs) Abs. You know, what's funny is it's like and and we'll have an episode about this uh, abs in general because they're such a difficult thing. Like they're really a difficult thing. Oh, yeah. I can't get them. I can't. You can have the strongest abdominal muscles and still not be seen because your body type you're you're not eating the right you know macronutrients or different things like i work out twice a day right now and i am eating as clean as i possibly can bar the days that i take an edible and end up eating all of the (laughs) snacks in my pantry uh you know i do all of the workouts that i can and it's still not even a perfect six-pack and so it's it's pretty interesting but i think like you said having that that being in tune with your body especially right now is like the best thing that I can do because I'm trapped in my house. And so at least I can come out of this quarantine situation feeling a little bit better. I know there's going to be people who come out of this looking real good, yeah, you know? I know, and, and like I'm, I'm already coming out of this looking a little bit better. Just the fact that I'm eating groceries like that already, I've stopped eating processed foods, which is incredible for me. Cause I'm like, I'm a garbage disposal. I eat fast food. I eat, I eat all sorts of garbage and I just, I have a body type that doesn't allow me to get abs but also it doesn't show so much then again i'm getting older now everything's starting to jiggle a little bit more so yeah that happens well you have some room but i think what's important is that you're coming out um a little bit better cleaning up your body which is actually kind of our topic today uh in a different sense which is uh dealing with addiction and substance addiction uh and all of that so matt feel free to take a break go and grab some processed food some oreos whatever you want to grab um karen you and i we're going one-on-one right now so we'll talk to you in a bit matt Karen, I got some questions for you. I'm ready. So Karen, what I want to talk about first is how to recognize if you're an addict. And for me, when I think of addiction, like my story earlier, my mind just goes to like being addicted to drugs or being addicted to a substance or alcohol. But I also know like the kid that I that I went to school with when I was younger, who I heard through the grapevine went to rehab for playing video games. So can you kind Absolutely. of can you kind of uh, maybe divide up what different types of addiction there are? Sure, I'd be happy to. There's basically two overarching categories of different kinds of addictions. 
One, as you just said, is what we think of as substance use or substance abuse, like drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, sugar, and caffeine actually are both in the psychiatric diagnostic manual under addiction as well. For all you latte queens out there, caffeine (laughs) is a real thing. And for some people, they are totally addicted to caffeine or processed sugar, Um, but it's like a substance that you ingest, nicotine, alcohol, et cetera. The other big category is process addiction. So video games, shopping, pornography, online pornography. Um, Some people put in addiction to power, which is like a whole nother podcast uh, episode topic we could get into. And then there's also some that sort of fall into both categories, like where you might see Uh, Eating disorders are sometimes understood as um, an addictive behavior and they connect to the same part of the brain. So those are the two big categories. Mm, Okay. And now question. Can I be addicted to working out? Because I've been I've I feel like that like runners, you know, they say like the runners high or the cycling high that you get like when 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 I'm when, when I'm exercising a lot especially because I'm trapped in my house and there's about three things I can do one of them being exercising the other being eating and the third one being watching Netflix mm-hmm. uh, I feel like now I wake up and I can't go without working out is that something that's this is just a complete side note for me only uh, is that something I should be worried about um Well, there's like a continuum of addiction like if you were working out to the point where you were like you had an injury from working out and you were doing it anyway, or you were working out to the point where you were starting to isolate yourself from friends and family, or it were to start interfering with the other parts of your life, then there might be some concern that it's becoming, I'm going to say more of a compulsive behavior, which is a quality that's very central to addiction. Addiction is a word that gets used a lot. Like, so I think it's important to be very conscientious and careful about the words that we use. So what are some of the key signs of addiction? And right now, let's go back to like drugs and alcohol, the hard stuff. Okay, awesome. So some of the signs of addiction, right, if you think about a continuum of use, like on the one hand, you have people who can use substances without getting addicted to them. You know, people who can drink alcohol, or even use recreational drugs or have caffeine or whatever, like and they can stop when they want, and it doesn't interfere with their functioning um, on the one hand. And on the other hand, you have what we call like low bottom addicts, you know, kind of the stereotype in your mind, right? Like uh, somebody who's like lost their job and, you know, lost everybody in their life and they're like, you know, out on the street and their life is wrecked. And so there's a whole range in the middle. But one of the characteristics that's really consistent is that it begins to interfere with your everyday functioning. And sometimes that's not so easy to detect. It could be somebody who all of a sudden, like they start showing up to work late or they start missing meetings or it starts creeping in, right? Like interfering with everyday functioning. They might, it might be somebody who is usually like really neat and well-dressed. And all of a sudden you notice like, 
dang, so-and-so is kind of stanky right now. Like you start noticing some changes <laughs> and sometimes you can't tell, but you start noticing things, people with health issues, like they smell like alcohol or, you, you know, you can smell weed or cigarettes on them all the Like I mean, like, really, I don't just mean like a little bit here and there. Um, and that even when it's pointed out to them, like by a doctor or by somebody close to them that they care about, they see this, like, I'm genuinely concerned about what's going on with you, that they will continue to use despite the negative consequences because they can't stop. Mm. Right. It's it's not a moral. It's not like they're weak willed or they're an idiot or like it's not necessarily about willpower. It's that there's like it's a physiological thing. It's part of the brain and how all the organs of the body are impacted so that we crave that thing. Right, right. So you you had mentioned a couple of different things that are the signs of addiction. I was putting myself in that situation. Some of them are things that I would notice myself, like maybe um, my performance slowing down or being different or my ability to wake up being easier or not as easy. But then you also mentioned a couple of other things, like the way that you are perceived, the way that you are, um, you know, that people notice your dressing, notice your scent, notice, you know, those behaviors coming out. So it sounds like there's loads of different signs of addiction, some of them which your close family or friends will notice, but then some that nobody could notice except for us or the person with dependency. A little bit of a piggyback on top of another episode that we've done, which was helping friends in low places, is like if you notice some things in a friend, like maybe they're usually super clean and on time, but now they're like always late and disheveled or they usually take really good care of themselves and now they're sweaty or something's clearly different. Uh, what's your advice for somebody who is noticing a friend is is dealing with that? You know, I think it's depending on your relationship with that person. Say something, but in as non-judgmental a way as you can, right? Because the likelihood is either the person is aware of it, but they feel defensive or they're ashamed, or they're in massive denial, and they think that you're just being ridiculous. So there, there's a likelihood that they will be defensive. And if they are, you can just say, okay, I just want you to know I care about you as a person. And so if you ever want to talk about this, I just want you to know I'm here. Right? Mm. So you leave that door open. Um, and then hopefully, you know, if and when that time comes, you will then be a non-judgmental support person for them. Right. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking anything, uh, maybe maybe for the listeners out there, uh, Karen, who might be listening to this and being like, "Ooh, maybe I'm on the edge. I'm teetering. I'm not necessarily full blown affected. My life is being affected. But there's some signs that Karen has brought up that I'm starting to notice um, because I have a I have a statistic here that says, according to the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, uh, 19.7 million American adults aged 12 or older battled a substance use disorder in 2017. So I feel like there might be someone listening who is clocking that they're showing some of these warning signs. What's the first thing someone who thinks they might be an addict should do? Um, I would talk to somebody that you trust um, so that you can get more information. And if you don't have somebody to talk to, you can look online. I know for sure there are national hotlines, but reach out for help. That is the first thing. There is no shame in getting help. Um, and there are lots of resources out there to help people. Sick. So another sign is um, something I like to call drug-seeking behavior. 
So like when somebody is seriously jonesing and the lengths that they will go, they will go to like the nastiest corner store to get some liquor, right? Or to like the craziest, scary place to score some drugs. Or like one time I actually got coffee from Penn Station in New York City and I was like, I have a problem. Like, cause it's not even cause the coffee's good. It was just for the caffeine. So mm. drug seeking behavior, um, things that people will do, right? Like when you go to Vegas and you see all those ATM machines everywhere and then like mm. gambling is another one in process, right? And then there's that little sign that's tucked like underneath the stairwell that says, you may have a problem with gambling, call Gamblers Anonymous. But like the ability to feed your gambling addiction is like so over the top. Oh, man. I didn't even think about that. And and not that I have a gambling addiction because I very rarely gamble. But when I do go to the casino, it is hard to not get more money if you've lost some or to keep playing if you've won some. It's insane. So it's insane. Uh, that's that's definitely a very uh, um addictive behavior that I, I can see myself falling into if I lived in Las Vegas. So note to self, never live in Las Vegas, never live on a cruise ship, never live in Atlantic city. I'm going to just going to, I'm going to stay away from those, uh, from those places. But uh, I think, I think we covered a great deal of noticing an addiction to maybe the point in which you say, okay, I need some help. I, this is something mm -hmm. that is greater than me. And before we get into the actual process of, of reaching sobriety and living clean, um, I want to take a quick ad break and then I'm going to be able to talk with Matt uh, on more of a personal experience. Um, I very fortunately have not a lot of experience in dealing with an addiction. Yeah, you got a lot, you guys definitely you got a lot of the key points for sure, at least on my end, from my perspective, especially, uh, you know, the whole thing, uh, drug seeking behavior. Uh, yeah. I, call, I, I call that uh, mission mode. That's, that's yeah, that's when uh, literally nothing will get in your way yeah it's and a thing yeah yeah all of a sudden all of the things that like keep you from you know normal society would consider you know uh gauche and things that you wouldn't do because you're like oh if i do that that then then that means xyz those things do not matter anymore and uh you just go after it yep it's mm. a lot of fun <laughs> All right, when we come back, Matt is going to lay the truth on us about what it's like to get addicted to heroin and then see the other side. We'll be right back. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. 
My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. What is up? It's Alex Iono here. This is Let's Get Into It. It's my podcast, and we are talking about uh, addiction and more specifically substance addiction. Uh, I just finished a great conversation with Karen about identifying those addictions, um, the beginning uh, signs that show that you might be addicted to a substance and um, the very, very first step of what you should do if you're starting to notice that you're having um, any of these tendencies. Well, I think it's been great getting to know the lay of the land from a therapist point of view, but we are going to talk to comedian Matt Lieb about his first person view of addiction. Matt, how hey, are you, man? Hey, I'm doing all right. Are you guys ready for some non-professional opinions about drug <laughs> so- addiction? <laughs> <laughs> It's just like scary sometimes when it's like, yeah, I was addicted and then now I'm not addicted. And it's like, well, we need somebody right. who has a little bit more of a personal story uh, no, a cl- to give us. Yeah, no. And it's it's good to also have clinical knowledge. I think it's one of the things that uh, I eventually uh, started to seek out later, you know, after being, uh, you know, doing like 12 steps for a while. And I'm, you know, uh, still doing 12 steps. But I was like, at some point, I just was like, I need to see a therapist because I would love to to hear like a what a what a professional thinks about my particular uh, situation. So, uh, yeah. But in general, you know, I uh, most of my recovery has been, you know, just being surrounded by a group of addicts who none of us have, you know, degrees in this specifically. We just share our personal experience and then uh, our our strength and our hope together in rooms, usually in the basement of some building. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, before we get into that, I do want to hear um, as much as you're willing to share, because I think it would be so helpful for the listeners, uh, yeah. your experience from, you know, day one of of dealing with substance addiction. Sure, sure. I mean, uh, you want to you want to hear my story? Is that what Let's you want to hear the do? story? I want I the story. My, hear my dark story. Uh, so my story, I don't think is particularly uh, it's it's not that wild and different from I think from a lot of other addict stories. Basically, I was always interested in uh, mind altering substances since I was young. You know, I think I tried weed for the first time in middle school, enjoyed that, and then uh, eventually, uh, you know, in high school, met some cool people, hung out with uh, some cool kids who uh, 
wanted to expand our drug horizons. And, uh, you know, we started uh, for me, my personal drug of choice is opiates in general. I like all kinds of opiates. So, you know, that includes street opiates like heroin. Uh, but then also I got into uh, pharmaceutical opiates like morphine or Dilaudid, um, which is hydromorphone, uh, Vicodin, stuff like that as well. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we started experimenting uh, with uh, drugs uh, together and uh, it was a personal passion of mine. Uh, weirdly enough, it was one of those things where uh, I noticed that uh, a lot of the friends I had who were doing it were uh, also starting to do things like dress in all, you know, dr- dress in all black or like get in like trouble at school. And I never really understood that because I was like, you know, if if you get in trouble at school and they catch you, they're going to make you stop doing drugs. And, you know, like I'm, I'm not in it for to, to cry for help. I'm in it for the love of the game. And so <laughs> I kind of I kind of learned how to be a functional opiate addict. And that kind of is one of the reasons that that I didn't bottom out sooner. I mean, I, I bottomed out pretty early uh, comparatively. But uh, yeah, I was able to finish high school. I went to UC Santa Cruz. I was able to get a, you know my college degree. Uh, I was able to hold down a job at a doctor's office, <laughs> which was uh, it was just another scam so that I could start stealing prescription pads and uh, writing myself prescriptions for opiates. Um, and you know, a lot of the things you talked about in your conversation earlier uh, about the way that you start dressing a little bit different or like dressing worse, smelling a little bit bad, like all of those things were like, check every box for me. Cause like, uh, you know, there's uh, me and uh, the friends who I had during that period of time, friends who were non-drug users, who were actually people who cared about me. Uh, we'd talk a lot about how I used to smell. I was a uh, I was a very smelly, smelly boy. Um, and uh, yeah, so what ended up happening with me was I was able to kind of hold it together till I was about 24. Um, I, I had a job at a doctor's office. And uh, then I tried to get off of this was maybe like a four month uh, morphine binge. And, and by binge, I mean, uh, I was, it was regular usage. I was like, I was getting high multiple times a day, every day. Um, and, uh, I tried to, I told myself, okay, I got to wean myself off of this. This is kind of a pattern with me where I would like go on like a binge and then go like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know what? I can stop anytime I want to. I should probably stop now. And then I would stop for a little bit and then go back on later and just over and over. And then after the four month binge, I told myself I was going to wean myself off, but instead I just kept using at the same rate. And then one day I didn't have any morphine anymore. And then I had a seizure uh, at the doctor's office that I worked at. Then everyone I knew was very concerned about me. uh, And I basically broke down and told this group of friends that I had in the Bay Area, this is I was living in the Bay Area at the time, uh, that I had, you know, an issue. And this was like a moment of weakness for me where I actually admitted that I was an addict. Um, and I immediately regretted it because uh, then I wanted to go use again. And all my friends told me that I, I wasn't allowed to. So mm. uh, 
ended up being homeless for a while where I just kind of was couch surfing on friends' couches and whatnot, whoever would let me. And then eventually they would kick me out because I would do something like use in their in their home or, you know, just kind of uh, just be clearly on drugs around them. And they didn't they didn't like that. Uh, friends had an intervention for me. I tried to get clean on my own. Uh, then, you know, after I think a month, a month clean, uh, everyone found out that I was using again because I was clearly high and my best friend ended up calling my parents, which is the lamest thing ever, but (laughs) it was, uh, lamest friend thing, but also best friend thing. Oh, that was the thing. I was mad at him for like a year and a half. I like hated him. And then, uh, and then like after a year and a half, I was like, I guess you kind of fucking saved my life or whatever, but I'm still <laughs> like, well, you got a snitch. But so basically I ended up moving back home and tried to move back home to LA, which is where I grew up. I tried to, um, do this like a, like a, a rehab thing, but we didn't have great insurance and, you know, we didn't have like rehab money. Uh, so it was like kind of this outpatient thing that was, uh, and then, you know, I, I learned some interesting things there. Like they were talking about cognitive behavioral therapy where it write stuff down and whatnot. But, uh, it was, it did feel like I was surrounded, uh, by like half of the people were just trying to convince someone else that they were getting their life together. And that was including me. Like I was just trying to clean up so mm-hmm. that I could manipulate people into thinking everything was fine. Uh, and then go back out and use because I didn't see any reason why, you know, uh, why I couldn't emulate my functional opiate addict past. Like I was like, listen, I held down a job. I got my college degree. Everything was fine. Um, and then I started going to 12 step meetings, which is, you know, uh, run completely by other addicts. It's just addicts helping addicts. And that is that's kind of what changed it for me. I was that's when I, you know, I realized that like all of these people wanted to not be on drugs anymore and I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess that's that's a cool way to live that's life." A too, cool, that's a pretty cool idea. Um, yeah, that's a cool idea. Like what if we just stopped being addicts? Uh <laughs> so so yeah, I uh one day turned clean turned into another day clean. You know, I started really examining behavior, I started working steps. I made friends who were all in the program. I like completely surrounded myself with recovery and I was able to get myself some recovery and you know, it's been I've now been clean and sober for uh 10 years. Oh man, that's your your story is so great to hear. I think for me, it's great to hear, especially just because the only stories that I've heard um, from people's personal accounts, other than yours, are like, do you remember when you were a kid in elementary school and they would have somebody who is yeah. like completely paralyzed now and has to use a wheelchair and speaks right. with a typer and it's like, don't do drugs. Like I won't, you know, this is right. what happened to me. And you see that and you go, Oh hell no, I'm never going to do that. I injected one marijuana. Yeah, and exactly. I have no arms. And, you're and just it like, scares what? you. And it scares the shit out of you until sure. you start meeting people who, you know, I remember when I was in LA and I was, and it, it was such a, you know, a polarizing moment for me when I first moved to LA and I was at a party and somebody did a bump of cocaine straight off of their hand in the big group of people directly in mid conversation with me. And I was like, Oh my gosh, my whole world has been shattered. Everything that I believe, because like you said, there's that guy who's like, I did one weed and I now I'm this. 
And then yeah. now I have somebody who's directly in front of me who is a respected, you know, uh, executive in their field doing right. cocaine just as if it's nothing. And then you see things like the Wolf of Wall Street or you, sure. you know, where it's where it's kind of made more light of. And so what I love yeah, about your story, it's glamorized a little bit. Yeah. What I love about your story is that you're it's such a it's such a it's so uh, mundane. <laughs> It's not mundane. It's no, just it, like it's yeah. such a you saw a problem, you had a problem, and through the help of your friends and your family, and then at the end of the day, you being, you know, very introspective on your life, being like, this is some dumb shit, I, and mm-hmm. you, you like, you fixed it. And so I want to kind of pinpoint in a little bit with a couple of questions um, that are more specific that you might have touched on a little bit. You mentioned the way that your friends kind of called your family and all that. What mm-hmm. role would you say um, your friends, your family, the intervention, the intervening in general that your people that truly loved you, um, what what role did that play in helping you get to where you are now being like fully clean? I mean, I think if it wasn't for the intervention, not just the physical intervention where everyone was in a circle and crying and stuff, but also like friends intervening in my life. um, Yeah, I don't think I would be alive today. I'm lucky enough that I wasn't surrounded by people who were also using opiates. You know, I mean, my friends were were not clean people they definitely you know they smoked weed they would party sometimes and use other drugs but like opiates was always something that it's like oh no that's something that addicts do and to be fair to them none of them really for the most part none of them had problems with substance abuse in general they were you know they were all like it was an occasional thing for them so I was lucky enough to be surrounded by people who, you know, kind of had their shit together or at least had their heads screwed on straight enough to know that this was a problem and love me enough to tell me about it. So it's incredibly important for people to confront it because, uh, you know, seeing it and then not confronting it. I, I know it's in it's it's a lot easier to do that, but it's also it's enabling, especially if the person is in your life, if you're ignoring it then uh, you are, you know, I'm not going to say you're, you're not responsible for them, obviously, but like you need to confront them. You need to, at the very least, uh, have some boundaries around it. Some people, if it's in their family, you know, they can't, they don't know what they should do. You know, do I kick this person out? Do I never call them again if they continue using? And that's something that, you know, it can get complicated, um, but you have to at least start with the conversation of, Hey, it looks like you're kind of fucking up your life, you know? Yeah. Well, big shout out to your family and your friends for doing that. And and I think that's a beautiful point for everybody. Uh, we kind of mentioned this in our other episode with Ify, uh, where we talked about helping out your friends. Um, I think now coming from a place where we're hearing this story from somebody who had friends that stepped in and, and they had, you know, honestly, I know that you had mentioned it a little bit. Uh, where you said it was a weak moment in which you confessed to your friends what you were dealing with. But when right. I'm listening to that, I'm like, dude, that sounds like the strongest moment that you've had in the oh, grand sure. scheme of things because you actually went to it. And another strong moment is being having that humility to go like you guys are all none of you guys are addicted to this substance. None of you guys have anything that is controlling your life. Um, and so just hearing the the way that you had that and the, and the role that your family and friends played where they didn't give up on you. Uh, it, it's amazing. Um, yeah, it was it was important. I mean, and, you know, I, I agree completely that, you know, this the moment at which I admitted it to my friends was, you know, in retrospect, 
a moment of strength and not a moment of weakness. It just was a moment that I regretted at the time because I was like, oh, God yeah. damn it. Yeah, like, now damn it. Gonna... I, now I, gave, I ruined it. I foiled it. Yeah, I ruined the grifts. Now, you know, now they're going to stop me and I can't man- manipulate them as easy. We're going to talk about more programs and, and different routes um, to get clean in the next segment. But I want you to talk about on in a personal sense what that 12-step program is and the process that you went through in terms of climbing the steps. Yeah. So the 12 steps, uh, you know, there's a lot of different 12 step programs. There's, you know, uh, a lot of specificity in them now. Now there's different fellowships. There was, you know, early on, there was just Alcoholics Anonymous and there was Narcotics Anonymous. Now there's like Cocaine Anonymous, Marijuana Anonymous. There's like a lot of different uh, versions of the of the 12 step. But the 12 steps are basically the same throughout uh, every fellowship. And for me personally, in general, the way you work the steps is, you know, you start going to meetings, whether that's Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, you start going, you're meeting with people, you get a sponsor, you got to make sure, you know, uh, that your sponsor is someone who has a lot of sober time or clean time. And someone who you basically pick someone who you're like, I want what they have. Like, they used to be this homeless addict or whatever, and now they have a business, they have, you know, what, whatever they have that you want, even if it's not that, even if it's just like, they seem like they have serenity, and I fucking want that. Like, that was my big thing. I was just like, I just want someone who looks like they are not constantly struggling with their own mind. And someone who is like, you know, got a little bit of spirituality and not spirituality in a sense of like a specific religion or some new age crystal nonsense. I'm talking about spirituality and that they don't uh, actively hold resentments. You know, there's they're not filled with spite. They're they're always like in any situation trying to make sure that their side of the street is cleaned up and they're not like trying to take the inventory of somebody else and like say all their character defects, like they're just trying to work on themselves. Like someone said to me, that's spirituality. And, uh, so you find someone like that, that you like, and you ask them to be your sponsor and then they will take you through the steps. And that's, that's how I did it. And yeah, you know, the steps is, is something that it's not like a magic formula. You know, it's not like a, something that will, oh, it's the steps that, you know, uh, cured me of my addiction. There's no cure for it. There's only constant vigilance in recovery. All you can do is, you know, it's like taking a shower, they call it. Like, you know, some people, they work the steps once and then they go like, oh, I'm, I'm good now. And it's like, it's like showering once. It's like, no, eventually you're going to get dirty again. You got to take more showers. You, know? yeah. you got to have some upkeep on your hygiene. And it's true also with your recovery. To me, there's no magic formula to it. There's no like a lot of people get like scared, like, oh, don't you have to like believe in, you know, God and have like a, you know, a lot of people think there's like too much, you know, is there Jesus in it or whatever it is. It's like, nah, like that is all just reservations that are going to keep you from from going. It's not like it is all very open to to your own personal interpretation of a higher power. Like my higher power is basically just the universe. It's something greater than yourself. And the, the universe to me is just like, Hey, shit, you can't control. And that's been my biggest problem is like, I can't control everything. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, to me, what really does, uh, keep you clean is just being in a community of people who are not trying to get fucked up all the time. 
It's like yeah. making friends with people who like have found other ways to enjoy themselves, have found other ways to like live their life. And like, you know, there, there's there's a lot of other things in this world uh, that are, uh, you know, fun to do that do not include uh, drinking and doing drugs. And I know that some people are like look at that and they they go, yeah, but. I mean, occasionally. And it's like, yeah, you know, some people uh, can occasionally use. But, you know, if you're someone who's like needs a 12 step program, you cannot occasionally use your, your drugs are done. You're, you, you can't do it. And mm. that's usually by the time you're in the program, th that's the admission that, you know, you've admitted that to yourself. Like, yeah, I can't really I can't really hang with this. Like, I, I, I can't do any substance. Or I got addicted to hookah. After getting clean, I started like smoking hookah and I was like, yeah, you know, it's tobacco. It's like one of those things where it's like some some people smoke cigarettes in the program and whatnot. I was like, I'm, I'm going to smoke from this hookah. I started smoking hookah every day. I would I would leave work early so that I could smoke hookah. It was like ridiculous. Like I get addicted to lemon mint. Are you kidding me? It was sad, man. <laughs> well, I want to I want to talk about that a little bit more because I want to dive into your life post um, addiction, and that's going to be our last uh, our last segment. But I do again want to point out how lucky I am and how lucky the listener is that we have somebody here that can talk about it not as serious and crazy as it was when you were a kid in elementary school and they you know they wheel in you know you know that super hardcore like don't do don't smoke a single cigarette uh, right, or don't right. you know don't do that I, I'm very very grateful that you came here and and I'm grateful for your transparency and talking about your process because it seems like your process which has an incredible ending um, was really the full gamut of your own personal bottomless pit that ended mm -hmm. up hitting rock bottom and then turning over completely into where you are now, which, um, which is a, a, an amazing comedian with, with a podcast and playing festivals all over. And so you really are a true, um, you know, real life story of how that you are, dude, you're an icon. I wanted to just I'm an say, icon, dude. if I was with you right now, I'd, I'd be giving you a slow clap and I'd get everybody to socially mm -hmm. distance, uh, join in on that slow clap. A so social distance, slow clap. dude. <laughs> there that's, you what go. I, that's what I'm here for. It's what I live for. No, legit though. Like your story is perfect because of how it's like, it's so run of the mill. Like it is so normal. Right. Because it's like it's, you know, it, it's not filled with all of the like all of the excuses for drug use that usually exist. People will have like abuse in their history or sometimes or or they'll be like lots of jail time and all that stuff. And, you know, I think the vast majority of addicts nowadays are and this has always been the case, but the vast majority of addicts are people just like regular ass people like regular people who had jobs, who had families or whatever, who just got into this, especially now that there's like the opiate epidemic and whatnot. It's not, mm -hmm. it's like, it's, it's mundane use that ends up killing millions of people. It's like people who, who, who just are, you know, it, it's not always a insane story about like a guy who is held at gunpoint or like, is like some drug kingpin or some, you know, stuff like exactly that. that's why i wanted to that's why i wanted to reserve your your last bit which was like when you got addicted to hookah and like the things that you do now that keep you on that yeah. on that clean you know 10 years sobriety 
um, yeah. road because I know that there's a lot of, especially like at least for me and my personal experience, um, have all relapsed because they still are, you know, maybe they start, they start smoking cigarettes again and then they start smoking weed again and then they feel right. high again. And then, you know, it's like, and so I, I'm, I'm very interested and I want to highlight that because I think a lot of people deal with it. Like I'm very fortunate that like the only time I ever dealt with getting addicted to an opiate was when I got my wisdom teeth taken out and and I had like four extra Vicodin and I took them for fun. And then when I finished them, I was like, man, that's so sick. And then I was like, Oh, this is what they tell you to not, to not do. I shouldn't do that. And then I fortunately had, you know, no other way in my brain to get them and not a strong enough desire to get that again. Um, I kind of just moved on in life. And so, uh, but I feel like, unfortunately it is an insane rush and an insane feeling, especially if you aren't in the most desirable place in your regular life. Um, Mm -hmm, it is an mm -hmm. insane feeling that you can go, man, why would I be doing this regular shit when I could be doing cooler shit? Like when I could be feeling better, I could be doing all these things now, but also feeling like a superhero. Yeah, that's one of the boundaries, one of the like social walls that gets knocked down like bit by bit, brick by brick when all of a sudden you're like, because I got to a point where I was like, listen, I go to these parties, hang out with my friends. Everyone's drinking. I'm not drinking. I'm high as fuck. I'm just (laughs) on heroin. (laughs) Like you just choose alcohol. I choose heroin. Honestly, just because society tells you that heroin's bad, like, like this, this is like the logic that ends up happening. And then it starts becoming like, listen, you drink and do drugs at night and no one says anything. I wake up in the morning and do them. And because society says I can't wake <laughs> up and just do drugs immediately, like I'm not doing them at night as much as you are like you're binging at night i'm doing them steadily throughout the day like all of this shit. eventually you're just like you know a lot of people say you should spend money on like rent and having clothes but mm. i am saving my money by living on the street and just because <laughs> society says you have to have a home like eventually you just become the exact person that you didn't think you would become Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. When we come back from this break, we're going to be talking about life post-addiction. And again, if you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, you can call the National Drug Helpline at 844-289-0879 or visit them online at drughelpline.org. And we also have the very, very lucky opportunity to have a therapist here, Karen Ehrlichman, who will be giving her thoughts on that as well. So don't go anywhere. We're going to be closing this out in just a bit. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. 
I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. 
We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We are here. This is Let's Get Into It. I'm Alex Iono, and we are very fortunate to have Karen Ehrlichman, uh, my wisdom tree, my therapist, uh, and and a great friend of mine. And we also have Matt Lieb, who has been telling us his personal story from his life on dealing with addiction. Um, if yeah. you haven't, if you are just for some reason tuning in now, uh, go back and listen to it because I really, uh, I found a lot of uh, beauty in in your story because it was so oh, thank you it was so not the story that you hear about like you know this person was abused therefore and their parents made them do it and then they got addicted to it like it was just it, it seemed like it was just a series of decision making that led you to this path that now fortunately has you 10 years sober uh, and that is what I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about for this last segment which is um, once we tackle Karen I want you to give your thoughts on on um, other options. I know that Matt had referenced that he did the 12 steps program. And lastly, Matt, I want to talk to you about what you do to stay on top of your addiction and not let it take over your life again. But before we get into that, Karen, welcome back. And, uh, and what are your thoughts on the processes to, to getting sober? Well, um, as Matt said, um, 12 step recovery is one of the most effective programs out there to help people get clean and sober and not just to kick the addiction, but to live a healthy, sober life. Right. Like I'm thinking about when Matt was talking about like his spirituality, like people go into recovery and they can stop drinking or stop using, but they also learn how to live. Right. So they learn how to take responsibility for their shit. They learn how to relate to other people. They learn boundaries. They learn how to be accountable to themselves. There are all these things that people learn so that they're not engaged in what people call. I don't know what the narcotic equivalent of dry drunk behavior is. Is there another phrase for living dirty, living dirty? yeah, I mean that's that maybe that's one thing that I've heard specifically. Uh, but like I, I mostly we refer to it as dry drunk. Uh, that but that's because I've done a mixture of NA and AA. I've been uh, in mostly AA for the last few years. Uh, so dry drunk is definitely my okay. Is what we call it. So um, part of why I brought up the the dry drunk 
um, idea was because there are some people who do just like kick it cold turkey, right? Like they, there are, there is a small percentage of people, I don't exactly know how, what the data is on that, but who just stop using on their own or will stop drinking on their own. So they've stopped imbibing the substance, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they have addressed what's underneath it. So, you know, the feelings or the life experiences. And so sometimes what you see is people will kick one addiction and then they'll end up with another addiction or it'll come out in their relationship with money or sex or food or it'll come out in some other way. Um, It doesn't mean that there aren't some people who do effectively kick it on their own and are fine. So cold turkey, 12 step programs, um, there's psychotherapy, right? There are some psychotherapists who specialize in working with addiction. And then there are also treatment programs. There's hospital-based programs. There's residential programs. Uh, you know, I'm imagining many of the listeners out there have heard stories of like famous celebrities who've gone to rehab multiple times. <laughs> and we're, we're going to talk about relapse and slips, I think, a little bit later. But Sometimes just meetings alone isn't enough. Sometimes just therapy isn't enough. Sometimes people actually need more of an immersion in um, in a program to get them back on track or to get them on a new track. And then the last one I want to say is like another approach that's somewhat controversial that's called harm reduction. Like there are some people who are just never going to be able to 100% ab- abstain. Like they just they are not able to abstain 100%. And so the idea behind harm reduction is to reduce the harmful behaviors that are associated with drinking and using. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of another, I think it's been around for maybe, I don't know, 15 or 20 years or something. And it is effective for some people, but not for everybody. Harm reduction, uh, I'm interested in hearing more about what that means because I know in general harm reduction you know, from my experience was like making sure that addicts who, you know, we're going to use and they're going to use anyways, have like a place to do it that's safe. They have, you know, clean wares, like clean needles uh, so that they're reducing, you know, the spread of uh, HIV or hep C Um, and, uh, you know, clean, clean using zones, places uh, or safe using zones where, you know, you can use and, and not be, harassed or robbed, um, you know, things like that. Is that is that what you mean by harm reduction? Yes, exactly. So the people can still hold jobs, not lose their homes, sure. not, not put their health or other people's health at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, um, you know, like as close as you can get to full abstinence as possible. Right, 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 right. Well, it's really, really cool listening to, you know, all of the different options in which people can get clean. And hopefully um, if you're listening to this and you're trying to figure out how you can make your way there, um, that's pretty informative for you. Um, But I also want to highlight as this last segment, um, for the most part, the light at the end of the tunnel, which is um, in this case, the reality that is Matt Lieb. I mean, Matt, you have referenced that you've been clean 10 years now, um, that you have, you know, you've, you've lived that full life and now you're here, you have have your own podcast, you're a comedian, you're doing what you love. 
um, and and not having to deal with the weight on your shoulders that is an addiction to something. Matt, can you talk a little bit about the last 10 years, maybe like how you've stayed clean, what's helped you get through the dark days, or maybe even days that you relapsed or almost relapsed? One of my favorite things um, that I grew up believing is that it doesn't matter how far you go down a path, it is never too far to turn back around. And so you are living proof um, of it in this topic. And so I'd love for you to talk more about that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not going to say that what happens is you, you get clean, you know, you get sober, uh, and then your life just magically takes off. Like, all of a sudden, it's just like money, women, cars, <laughs> P- PlayStation 4. Like You sound like an infomercial. You, I mean, like, could, hey, do you, wanna, yeah. do you want all the money in the world? Are you done with being addicted <laughs> to drugs and now you want to be a billionaire? Come on down. Yeah, to- exactly. Yeah, no, so I, you know... I, I I would not characterize uh, getting clean like that or, you know, uh, my life like that. I mean, I definitely am living the life that um, that I want to live. I mean, it is it is amazing that I got clean uh, in the first place. And then now I make my living writing comedy and doing comedy uh, so that that's pretty sick. Uh, and it's stuff that I honestly couldn't have imagined would actually happen back when I was using drugs because of the fact that I I kind of uh, did not really imagine anything other than like just shaping my life around the use of drugs I was it was it wasn't about like reaching goals or anything like that but now yeah things have been great um, you know uh, comparatively uh, I'm not like a super famous comic or anything, but I, uh, I pay my rent, you know, making comedy. And uh, now I am like dealing with everything else in life. And that's the big thing that I think like you have to realize when you're going, you know, trying to get clean is like, first, you got to take it one day at a time, as you know, as they say. And then, you know, once you stop using You'll notice that the problems that you had as a result of that using will go away. You know, even the legal problems eventually will will go away. Uh, and then you have to to deal with real life shit. And real life shit is uh, just you know every day. You know, like being in quarantine, for example. Let's right. you know, like you have to deal with uh, you know not knowing what's gonna what's gonna happen in in the world you have to deal with you know deaths in in your family or you know in the in the world in general friends who get fucked up and and for me i found that the great thing about staying um in recovery is that you have um you you get to give back to other people who are struggling with the same thing you know that to me being of service to other addicts is something that um keeps me clean more than anything else. Uh, you know, when I, if my meeting attendance, like I don't go to meetings as much anymore, or like I don't work the steps as much anymore, you know, uh, things like that, which can be problems. But I, you know, when I'm of service to an addict who's like dealing with something, when I'm taking an addict to their first ever meeting, you know, it feels good. And uh, yeah, I still got to deal with things, man. Like, like, you know, I was saying I was addicted to, to hookah for a long period of time. 
uh, I just really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the process of making it. I enjoyed the process of smoking it. And I smoked it like a fiend. And then, you know, I started doing, uh, like, I was like, I got to get off that. I'm going to do some nicotine gum now to try and get off of it. And then I just was on nicotine gum for like five years. And then <laughs> I was on nicotine lozenges. And then, you know, it's like, there's always something where it's like, they say you're, you're, uh, while you're clean, your addiction is like doing push-ups in the back of your mind, just getting fucking like ready to like get you to push you back into uh, a life of using. So you just have to be vigilant uh, with that. And, uh, and yeah, you know, I just try to stop myself from the compulsive behaviors, you know, whether that has to do with smoking hookah or like dating, you know, there was a time when I was single, when Tinder came out, and I was like, this is going to be a problem. Because I have, you know, I'm an addict and uh, now I can just talk to women on the phone, you know, through this app. Like, this is going to be bad. And, uh, <laughs> you know, luckily I have no game. So I can't, I couldn't get the sex addiction that I always dreamed of. But, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was like, you have to be vigilant and like look at your behavior. And, and therapy was uh, a big help for me. And I think uh, for some people, like you were saying, uh, Karen, you know, 12 steps is one thing, but like psychotherapy can be very helpful too. You know, some people are what's, what's called dual diagnosis, That's right. which is like, which is like you, you've got addiction. Sure. You're an addict, but you're also dealing with other issues. Some people are bipolar, you know, some people are manic depressive, you know, some people just have other issues that they need to be dealing with that, you know, sometimes it helps to be in a professional setting. And it was one of the reasons that brought me into therapy was realizing, like, addiction is a problem. I am, you know, addicted to substances, but I also have other issues. I also have uh, things in my brain that aren't wired right, and I need to – I would love to get a professional to talk to me uh, about it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not like it's, it's all just everything is perfect, right? You know, it's it, – but you, you certainly – are doing way better as a clean person no matter what's happening <laughs> you're doing better than you were when you were you know fucked up on heroin that's uh that's for just a sure. fact <laughs> well it seems like i mean it seems like the last 10 years for you have it wasn't like you know like you said you you finish it and then it never comes back and you're good and you can close the door and you don't have to worry about it ever coming back yeah. um, but it does sound like you have really put in the work uh, consistently day after day after day that's now turned into 10 years of yeah. being able to you know to hit that and not have to look back and I had to channel my I think what I ended up doing was channeling my kind of like addiction my uh, you know whatever this is in my mind into other more constructive things and uh, you know that's when I got into stand-up comedy I started doing stand-up when I was about like two and a half years clean so it was mm. like and you know I was like 26 or something um, 26, 27. And I started doing stand up, and, you know, and I'm so grateful that I started then because, uh, you know, the stand up world is filled with addicts. It's filled mm -hmm. with people who like, I mean, drink tickets is how you get paid most of the time at shows. You know, mm -hmm. they're just like, you don't get paid, but you can have two free drinks. So the fact that I had some recovery under my belt helped me kind of like navigate the world of standup without like, you know, falling into a lot of the pitfalls, which is like some people, they end up, you know, getting a little bit spun out of control. Some people end up becoming, you know, full blown addicts just from constantly being around so many people who are using and I needed like 
a community of people who were not comedians and who were clean so that I could like get my own head screwed on straight. And I was able to meet a bunch of addicts in recovery who are also stand-up comedians. So it's like, you know, that you're always going to find no matter what you're doing, you're going to be able to find an addict in recovery who's in the same who's in the same field as you. Mm. You know, there's like I've been to uh, like 12 step meetings backstage at Coachella with all the like crew people and like a few of the different band members. All of a sudden they're like doing a 12 step meeting. And I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, this is this is rad. Like no matter where you're going there's going to be a group of people who are doing a meeting and that's kind of a that's kind of a great thing about it it's kind of like that old saying uh what is it wherever you go there you are um in your case it is stand up comedy but no matter where you go in life that addiction is going to be doing those push-ups like you said in the oh, back of sure. your mind and as soon as the opportunity comes out which is why relapse is a very very real possibility for recovering addicts karen do you have maybe advice it sounds like matt if you follow what matt does uh a lot of it is very very healthy and matt has obviously been living proof that it will work to to continue to fight the good fight and just do your best and it can help lead you to um, a place that does not involve you know consistent relapsing and having to start all over from the ground up again um, but karen for those uh who might not be uh, on the same exact path as Matt, um, what is your advice for somebody to to give themselves grace as they're recovering from addiction? So a couple things come to mind. The first thing is that I often will ask people, well, what do you think you'll do if you relapse? And if they say, I'm not going to relapse, I'll say, you know, just yeah. humor me, just hypothetically. Let's just like call me crazy, but let's just say hypothetically that you had a slip or a relapse because they're not the same. What would you want to do and what would you want me to do and what would you want the people in your life to do? So you you talk about it as a hypothetical. It doesn't mean it's going to happen to everybody, but um, because magical thinking is a real thing and sometimes people think, oh, I'm fixed now, right? And this is never going to happen again. And so then if they do slip or relapse, the shame they feel is so intense. And there is sometimes, I'd be curious if you've seen this, Matt, in meetings where it's like people get worried, like that somehow relapse is contagious. Like if you, oh, you know, yeah. Right. So can you say a little bit about that? Well, I mean, there's, there's definitely like, especially if you're early on in recovery, there's people who get clean together or, you know, they've known someone for a while and then they go out and then people definitely, they find that they need now 12 steps and, uh, you know, go into meetings. Like they start going to meetings more because they're like, oh shit, you know, it's going to happen to me too, you know, because when, when someone, you know, goes out, you know, you, uh, you feel a little bit helpless because, you know, you, it's almost like a, a member of your community you believed in and it was like yeah they're doing so well and then they go out and you're just uh you know you're a little bit worried for yourself right that does it happen. feel a little shaky absolutely and sure. so all those tools like having having a sponsor and other people in the fellowship that you can call and really be that's why they call it rigorous honesty right really honest mm -hmm. and say like i almost had a slip or i almost drank like you know when you start like there's a reason for that expression about you're only as sick as your secrets to be able to have somebody that you can call if you start to feel like maybe you might. Right. But if you are keeping that shit to yourself, then it I think it makes it much more likely 
um, that you're more vulnerable to having a slip. And if you do have one, then all the things you've been doing to keep sober up until that point, like to kind of similar to what you said, Matt, you go to meetings, you call your sponsor, you work the steps, you read literature, mm-hmm. you you do you just like just like when people stop being physically active or whatever, you know, like they it's not the same as an addiction relapse, but like you start from step one and you pick yourself up and you do all those things that got you sober in the first place. And I think rigorous honesty is one of those things that is actually way more fun than it sounds like. Like, you know, especially if you're an addict who's in your addiction, the idea of being honest about how you're feeling and about what you've gone through or what you're going through, it just sounds scary because, you know, you hold so many lies all up in the air at the same time that you can't even keep them straight. And the idea of being caught in a lie is obviously something that everyone fears and hates, especially if you're an addict. But my experience has been since getting clean, it's like one of the reasons I agreed to do this podcast is one of the reasons that I love doing stand up is I just I just enjoy telling the truth about my own addiction. I I enjoy telling stories, you know, from my past that are you know, at the time would be humiliating. But then I look back now and I go like, I'm just going to be real about it. Or I enjoy talking about dumb resentments that I have. And like all of these things that, you know, I I would be embarrassed about in, you know, in the past. But it's actually really fun to be honest about how fucked up you are and just about your about your <laughs> messed up thinking. It's It's one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> so... I can definitely agree with that in the sense of um, being honest is always better than anything else. Uh, I, I think in my music, when I'm honest about my life, it's a lot It's a lot more meaningful. Um, thank you so, so much, Matt, for sharing your story. And Karen, thank you so much um, for, for giving your insight. I know you work with a lot of patients from many different walks of life. And so um, this uh, discussing addiction is, is no uh, stranger for you. So thank you both so much for giving your insight um, for today's episode. And you can share this with anybody who's going through something like Matt went through or even something that's not quite as heavy. I Honestly, I think if Karen has taught me anything today, it's that caffeine is an addictive drug. I think my takeaway from this is, again, as I said in the beginning, I never really had much experience with addiction or seeing it. Now that we've had this conversation, my biggest takeaway is that Addiction is such a broad term, and then there's so many things that you can get addicted to, not just drugs, not just alcohol or substances, so many different things. It looks so many different ways, like Matt had referenced it. It's not just the crackhead on the corner of the street. It could be somebody that you work with, somebody that you know, somebody that you're related to, which leads me to my last takeaway, which is just always be a good friend. Be conscious make sure you're observant of how your friends are acting. If they're starting to act a little bit strange, just be a good friend, be open, be honest, be transparent, like we always say. And lastly, if you are addicted to something, it is never too late to turn back around. It is never too late to face it. There is always going to be help for you. There's the helplines that I mentioned in the podcast. You have friends, you have family, so many people that care about you. And there is never, ever, ever a point that you can't turn back and fix everything. But I want to close our episode out because we are running out of time uh, and I want to make sure that you both have enough time to blast yourself 
promo. Um, that is what we do at the end of this show. I call it Hell shameless yeah. promo. Karen doesn't believe in any promo being shameless, or she believes all promo is shameless. Um, so, uh, Karen, why don't you take it away for us? Great. Um, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at ke replenish, or go to my website at karenerlichman.com. Yeah, yeah. All right, Matt, give it to us. Thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, and I am on Instagram at Matt Lieb Jokes. Last name is spelled L I E as an eagle, B as a boy. So check that out. I also I do the Sopranos podcast, Pod Yourself a Gun, wherever uh, podcasts are. I was going to say sold, but it's given away. For they don't sell uh, them no more these days. Nope, it's a tough nope. world. No, nope. you got to just uh, Venmo me. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's where you can find me. And uh, MattLeap.com is my website that exists. Well, there you go. Make sure you guys go and check out Mr. Lieb. Um, he is just as funny as he is honest. So make sure you go and check him out. But thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We will see you guys next time. But until then, peace. We really want you to get the help you need. So if you need help, please seek independent advice from a competent healthcare or mental health professional. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the podcast author or individuals participating in the podcast and do not represent the opinions of iHeartMedia or its employees. This podcast should not be used as medical advice, mental health advice, counseling, or therapy. Listening to the podcast does not establish doctor-patient relationship with hosts or guests of Alex Iono, Let's Get Into It, or iHeartMedia. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on this podcast. Woof, that's a doozy. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.